0: Hear me? Can you hear me now? We're going to go ahead and get started. We got a special tonight, and it's going to be good. And it—we don't know how long it's going to last, do we? We don't know how long, so it may be this, it may be two or three weeks, it may be—I don't know—just however long we need. And uh, Miss Tara is going to teach it, and she is really savvy in this stuff. So if you have any questions, feel free to answer. This is a question, just like it is on Sunday night all the time. If you have any questions, you can ask her, and uh, she'll be glad to do her best to answer them. So we're going to start off in a word of prayer. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and Lord. I just ask you, Lord, just to send your spirit. I, I know your spirit is here, and Father, I just pray that you would just help us just to release the spirit that's in us, Lord. The Holy Spirit. Father, I come against any uh, spirit that comes against your word tonight. And Father, I come against any denominational spirit, any religious spirit. And I ask you, Lord, just to prepare our hearts to receive exactly what you would have us to receive, Lord, and then to apply it to our lives. And Father, I just pray for Tara that you would just anoint her with a special anointing. And Father, just pour your spirit out upon her. Fill her with your spirit from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet, Lord. And just give her the boldness. And just put your words through her mouth, Lord, that she speaks to us and help us to receive everything you have for us. Lord, I just pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: All right. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Can y'all hear me back there? We're good? Okay. So I'm Tara Day, and y'all may know who I am if you saw me on Couch Talk, but I may not know everybody here yet, but just uh, wanted to let you know that I'm... I grew up in Athens, actually, and um, so this is my hometown, And um, but then I did, in college, I was like, I'm getting out of here, and then the Lord drew me back, and he gave me a heart for East Texas and started talking to me about East Texas and all the great things he wants to do in the city, and I'm like, okay, I'll go back, and I'll pray, and I'll pray, and I've been praying for y'all for years, and then he finally got me back here, and then I'm like, oh my goodness, so much is happening, this is so So um, I want to point out my husband over here, that's Timothy. (laughs) And um, so I'm covered, I'm covered, right? Um, So I want to talk to you about, I've been, I've had the honor of um, hanging out with Eric and the leadership and just talking about like what apostolic church is and the fivefold ministry and the prophetic, and we've just had all these great conversations. And so Yancey, with his passion, passion, he was like, I want you to teach my class. Uh, come teach my people. And um, so we prayed about that and we thought, you know what? Uh, we want to share this uh, with more people so we can start having these kind of conversations. And really, you know, what I'm doing today is kind of giving some definition and some turn to the terms because we're hearing that we can. There's so many people teaching on it right now because it's what the Lord's doing right now, trying to get us all back to what his original plan was. But everybody's using different terms differently. And so like if we as a church, starting with this core group, can start getting like on the same page on how we're defining things, then when we're having conversations. We're all having the same unified conversation. Does that make sense? Um, So that's really one I want to help facilitate today is just kind of going through definitions. And like Nancy said, I'm willing to do. I'm totally willing to do questions. What I want to do is I'm going to make a time for questions at the end because I think this is going to pop up a lot of different questions. So make a note, write it down, or put it put the note in your head because I may answer the question as I go through. But then at the end, I'll open it up and we'll have a time for questions where we can just we'll just try to hit everything that we can. Does that make sense? All right. So are we ready? All right. Um, so we can go to. The next slide so we're going to start with the scripture that we've been talking about all a lot over and over and that is ephesians 4 11 through 13. so a lot of so i'm going to call these these are the five fold gifts they're the gifts that jesus gives to his bride to the church and a lot of people re- will refer to these gifts as also offices. So a lot of times you'll hear people when they're teaching or speaking, they'll say fivefold fold offices. Um, but when they say offices, they're referring to these gifts, okay? Um, they're stated in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, um, but they are not titles. They are actual functions. So the apostle, prophet, uh, evangelist, pastor, teacher, they are actual functions, that happen in the body. And so sometimes um, I think where we've gotten a little mixed up in, um, in wanting to give everybody a title that, um, well, you've got this title or that title, and then it looks like that person, oh, well, if they've got that title, they're in a position to kind of lord over, but that's not how the Lord intended it. And um, these uh, these offices or functions were made to serve his body so that the body do what it needs to do to so the saints. So that's why I will keep calling them functions rather than titles so that we're clear in our mind that this isn't, this isn't lifting someone into a title. Um, so let's break down Ephesians 4 through 11 through 13 real quick. So verse 11 tells us the office or the function. So he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Verse 12 tells us the reason for the gifts. It's for perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then verse 13 tells us the goal of these functions when they work together. So this is what they're trying to do when they work together. This is what they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to, till we all come into the unity of the faith. So these functions are supposed to bring us into unity of faith, into the knowledge of the Son of God, and into a perfect man, into the measure and stature and fullness of Christ. So that is their goal. Um, so let's go to the next slide. So I kind of broke it out separately here, which is basically the same thing. There are five uh, gifts for three purposes, and they're providing four results. So you've got the five functioning gifts, the apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for three purposes, and those three purposes are, one, to perfect the saints. So let's stop there for a minute, and let's just define what perfecting is, okay? So perfecting means to complete furnishing, equipping. So to equip the saints, you'll see that same word put in there for perfecting, equipping the saints, and that means to completely furnish them, complete them. Um, For the work of the ministry is number two. So ministry is defined, A service or ministering actually going out and ministering or providing service um, so that they can do that work of service and they're also given to edify the body the edifying being building up and promoting growth so their job is to build people up promote growth Um, all right so these and then the four results again are unity in the faith the knowledge of the Son of God bring us into a perfect man Bring us into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay? So I'm going to do a visual with you guys. Um, let me just make sure. Okay. So that it will give us kind of a, I'm going to briefly go through each of the five fold with a visual. And then I'm going to talk about what it looks like when they work together. So if you have on a name tag, it's set for my lost person, if you have on a name tag, if you could come up and stand up here for me and I'll put you in order and thank you for being the guinea pigs so I'll have you stand in a strategic order I'm going to have apostle first and then prophet my prophet okay so leave a space for the prophet then we're going to have teacher here in the middle and then pastor evangelist so teacher in the middle Pastor, evangelist, and Miss Prophet, prophetess, okay, all right, so evangelist, if you'll just kind of step forward so we know who we're talking about, so we're going to talk about evangelist first, so evangelist um, means bringer of good tidings, so right, so that makes complete sense, it's a description word. It is one who is sent to save souls and present the gospel message. So we will see evangelists where the lost are. You're not very often going to, I mean, they will when they congregate together, but most of the time, where you're going to find your evangelists is out among the lost. Um, they are not, that's, you know, part of that, as you can see in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, they aren't listed in the order of the church. That is because they're out saving the lost, they're out sharing the gospel um, there are certain marks of an evangelist and a mark of an evangelist is that they there will be constant salvations happening around them and healing and miracles will be happening um, they have an ability and an ability to touch hardened hearts with God's love for them to receive salvation they are also found in the midst of environments that breed sin so you'll see they are like they are drawn to places that um, where the enemies kind of got a stronghold and they're like, they're going in there and doing missions and they're speaking and they just have this, this supernatural anointing to, to see the lost, to speak what needs to be spoken, to bring healing and deliverance. Um, the word evangelist is only used three times in scripture though, which I thought was interesting. Um, and I want to give you some examples of an evangelist. An evangelist in the New Testament scriptures would be Stephen or Philip. They were evangelists, and some that you might know today would be Todd White. He's a healing evangelist, so you can see he goes in with healing and deliverance, and that that breaks the person's heart, hardest off their heart, and then he moves in with salvation. Um, another person is Sean Fuch. He's going into places that other people, he's having this favor to go into places other people weren't having favor, and all these salvations, and people are throwing drugs on the stage. That's an evangelist. That's that anointing that's on that evangelist. Um, Okay, so my evangelist, let me go over to, So, my evangelist, you're going to go to the lost person to bring them salvation, healing, and deliverance, and then you're going to bring them to the pastor. So, if you'll walk over to the lost person because he's going to leave the church, right? He's going to get out of the church. He's going to go find the lost person. He's going to go minister, love on him, heal him, deliver him, and then his his name's going to change before he comes back into the church. Are you able to get it open? There you go. Now bring him. Well, he didn't know where to go. You don't know where to go. Where are you going to go? You're just saved out there in the middle (laughs) of the world. Somebody's got to bring you to the pastor. (laughs) All right. Thank you, evangelist. Okay, so he's with the pastor now. So let me talk to you about the pastor. A pastor means a shepherd or herdsman. The word pastor is only used one time in Scripture, yet we have made it the primary function today. Pastors are nurturers, and they lay down their lives for the flock. They are healers of the broken, and they are given oversight to make sure the needs of people are being met. Just like herdsmen, there are also they are also under shepherds or pastors in almost every body of believers. So the pastor is not just the one up here. There is pastors all through. You think about your small group leaders. Think about the person that you feel the most loved and endeared by. Um, they uh, may not always be recognized, but they are actively meeting needs and ministering healing to others. Pastors are most effective one-on-one and at modeling Christ. So just like what Eric talked about this morning about modeling that gentleness, they model that gentleness. So not all pastors will be dynamic teachers, Um, but they will be dynamic at showing love, right? Um, They were never meant to be placed as the final oversight or as a vision caster to the people. They are always given to a set group of people. So some examples today, um, you'll see leaders of specific ministries. So like the home group pastors or like a children's pastor or a pastor that speaks to the worship team. They normally have a group of people that they are loving on and pastoring. Okay. So my pastor, I'm going to have you. You are going to nurture him. So why don't you just give him a hug. Say, hey, buddy. (laughs) You're going to nurture him. You're going to bring him into relationship with the rest of the community, right? Because he needs to be healed and he needs to be healthy. So if you'll stamp that over his loss there.
2: There
1: you go. Because now he's, he's... been loved on he's been healed he's been seen he gets to be part of community and then the pastor's going to take him over here to the teacher so can you pass him on to the teacher now i want y'all to know it's not this linearly right like they're all working together but this gives us the illustration right to help us understand so the teacher means one fitted to teach master or doctor the office of the teacher is one that stirs others to know truth it is more than just explaining it carries an anointing that brings change um teachers love truth and love to study so if you see someone that's constantly reading books constantly like let me tell you what i learned let me tell you let me tell me there look what i just you know that might be a teacher because they are just constantly looking for that truth and studying um, and they're finding They're avid readers they um, study topics in multiple ways. They are generally scribes and historians. Um, they expand on what the apostles release and what the prophets speak. So an apostle or prophet can come, apostle can come with a vision or the prophet may speak a word, but that teacher is like, let me see where that's at in the Bible. Let me look it up. Let me bring that into fullness. Let me teach on that. Let me help everybody grasp that word and run with that vision. Um uh, they teach line upon line. They carry a divine supernatural ability to impart knowledge above the natural way of doing. So it's different a person that is in the function of the teacher in the fivefold, It's like when they speak, you, like, get it in a way that before you had been reading it and reading it with your natural mind. But then when they come in and the way they teach it, it's like you just all of a sudden you you get it when you didn't get it before. True teachers will never teach doctrinal error. They are very, very sensitive to that. Um, But they will always study in depth before they give new insight. Um, They are in office with the main thrust to study and give away what they have learned. Teachers explain things from many different angles so that the person is sure to understand. So a couple of New Testament scriptures. um, Paul calls himself a janitor. Um, he calls Timothy a teacher, and then James, the book of James, he goes deeply into the responsibility, don't take teaching lightly, you will be held responsible and accountable for what you teach, okay? Um, a couple of them that came to my mind that are naturally nationally recognized, I'm sure you guys can think of a bunch of them, one is Beth Moore. I don't know about, I, I don't know, but every woman I know has gone through a Beth Moore study, <laughs> So she has a way of pulling the scriptures out and teaching in the scriptures in such a way that you get it, right? And then Francis Chan is another um, teacher that I think about the way he just, he is very big on no doctrinal error. And he's very um, astute to making sure that he is teaching um, the doctrine correctly. So those were two that came to me. So teacher, what you're going to do is um, you are going to continue in the discipling so that he becomes a full disciple of Jesus Christ. He's not just healed. He actually knows Jesus and is a disciple and walking in the knowledge of Christ. And then you're going to take him over here to the prophet. All right, prophet means interpreter of oracles that are hidden. So prophets speak from revelation of the heart of God on a matter. It is not by perception. It's not Sherlock Holmes, you know. Um, it is by inspiration of God. They are foretellers and revealers of the attentions, intentions of God. They move in the inspirational gifts um, of 1 Corinthians 12, especially in words of wisdom and prophecy and words of knowledge um, and again, it's not by perception, but inspiration. Um, this office requires a constant manifestation of at least two of the revela- revelation gifts on an ongoing basis. So this person, when they're in an the office, they will be constantly moving in wisdom or moving in knowledge, moving in prophecy. It's just they can't even help. The, I mean, it's just part of who they are wired to be. The number one job of a prophet, though, in that office and in this function is not to prophesy, it is to train people to hear God, that is their job, Um, when um, people can hear God in a region, it is great, is just as great, or even greater than a prophet releasing a word over a region, so just think about it, you've got one person being the mouthpiece, but if you've got everyone activated in prophecy, and everyone's prophesying, just and they're all out doing what they're supposed to be doing, how much greater is that, right, for us to be the, to expand the encouragement? Um, so in New Testament Scripture, um, Agabus was a prophet. Uh, Silas was a prophet, okay? I think Agabus was the one that told him, I'm gonna, you're going to get tied up when you go back to Jerusalem. And then Silas went with Paul, and he was recognized as a prophet. So that was that pairing of the apostle and prophet together. Um, so nationally recognized um, that you might know, a lot of them might come to mind too, that I really um, honor are Chuck Pierce and um, Jeremiah Johnson. Okay. So pr- prophet, you are going to, let me see what I put for my notes. All right. So the teacher is going to give to the prophet so he so that the disciple can learn how to hear God and walk in holy spirit's gifts as well as receive exhortation and encouragement about his calling so if you can stick so we're going to stick called on there because the as you're going through this and then after you're a disciple and you're you're moving then at some point the lord's going to start telling you what your specific calling in the earth, what you were created to do, and the prophet will come in, and he will affir- he or she will affirm that, gifting in you, and so now you're called. So now the prophet's going to give you to the apostle. <laughs> All right. So apostle means one who is sent, right? But we're going to talk about um, the apostle in the function in this fivefold function. So they see the giftings in people and have the ability to bring out those giftings. While the pastor um, deals with the individual life, the apostolic truth deals with the overall effect on the body. They know how to make them grow into the gift that they are to be and how to place people for maximum kingdom expansion. So the main thing to realize is apostles are given to bring order, establish churches or ministries, and to bring out other ministry gifts. So there's a lot of confusion and lack of understanding in the apostle. Um, so we're going to spend a lot more time on that gifting. Like we're going to do a whole class where we're going to go through the apostle and the prophet in a lot of detail. Um, but I kind of wanted to, that's the snapshot for what we're here doing. In the New Testament scripture, Peter is an apostle. So Peter is an apostle that stayed in Jerusalem. He stayed there. He established that church. He worked within uh, that region. And then Paul was an apostle, but he actually, the way he established was he went and he established churches that way. So there's different ways. Um, Some nationally recognized, one would be Dutch Sheets. How many here listens to the Appeal of Heaven things? Okay. Does he not setting order? Is he not encouraging us to pray? Is he not setting the charge? You know, so that's what he's doing um, apostolically. Another person is Dr. Bill Hammond. I don't know if y'all know who that is, but he is someone um, that came in. The, the prophets were getting a little nutty, and he came in as an apostle and kind of brought some order to the prophetic movement that was getting a little out of hand. And so he came in. He brought order. He's like, okay, guys, we need some order here. And so um, he's also an apostle. All right. So, apostle, you're going to take him, you've affirmed the gift, you've said, okay, you're trained up, you're ready to go, we're going to send you out, (laughs) we're going to pray over you, commission you, and send you out to do what the Lord has called you to do. All right? Thank you guys so much. You can have a seat. I really appreciate you guys. Can you all give him a hand? I really like that visual because it kind of helps us get like how do they all work together and and why are they all needed and and what does this like look like like really look like for um, for this? Um, let me go back to my notes here. Um, so, all right. So, do we see the importance of why they need to work together, right? And does it make sense for them to all be separate? <laughs> they need to work together for the sake of the loss, for the sake of the saints. Um, so this is something that, you know, that we need to think about. What happens when a person gets stuck at the pastor teacher but doesn't ever go further? Let's think about that for a minute. They get stuck there. They are super, super loved. They are super, super nourished. And they are very discipled, but they kind of become a fat sheep because they don't know what they're called to do, and they're certainly not sent out to go do it. They're just like, yum, 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 this is good stuff. <laughs> I love being nurtured, and I love all this information, but there's nobody going, well, okay, buddy, you got to get out of here and go use it, go do something. Let's send you out. And so, um, so that's... It's kind of you know where I see that we've kind of been we kind of gotten stuck sometimes you know as the Body of Christ in America, so we may uh, wonder like you know how do we get here like it's so obvious when you look at it this way there should be also a couple of more functioning in the church that haven't been functioning but like what happened so um, what what we've in essence what we've done is we have one person trying to navigate all five roles right so we have um, and so um, how do we how do we expect the Saints to be fed and the leaders to do all the work um, inside and outside the gathering place we can't just expect one basically we can't expect one person to be outside being the evangelist, inside healing healing them getting them discipled then sending them out it's just it's it's when you think about it, it just doesn't make sense, but yet that's what we've expected of our pastors. And then the pastors are worn out and weary and we wonder, well why are they so weary? Why are they so tired? Why can't they take my phone call? Like why can't they do what we need them to what we feel like we need them to do? Well, they're just one person. And then that's why a lot of times you know there's that famous PK pastor kid or whatever. Oh, they're a PK. Well, why? Why are their kids? Well, they're poor kids are suffering because the pastor has been being pulled so much. So that's why it's, it's not healthy for one person to try to fill all five of these roles. And, um, and, but it, and I think we can see that, and I think we all know that, but then we're like, okay, but what do we do? Like, how do we help? Well, what we're trying to do, I think that's what's been so great about Eric walking through Acts, is we're trying to go back, Lord, what does it look like? What does this look like? What was your order? Oh, your order wasn't that way. Okay, what is, help us get there. Um, so there is a, uh, let's see, all right. So what that is called when it's one pastor is, it, it is called a church, but it's not necessarily kingdom, right? It's not biblical. It is what we defined as church, but when we think about it as the fivefold, we start thinking from more of a kingdom perspective, right? Um, there is a book that I, um, I put on there, suggested reading. It's called The Apostolic Church Arising, Rising, and it's written by Chuck, which is um, a prophet that's apostolic, and then Robert, which is a teacher. And in that book, there is a chapter um, where he outlines the hows and whys with historical documentation. And it will be no surprise to anyone that it goes back to institutionalizing religion. They needed to be more in control. They had all these house churches everywhere, blowing up everywhere. There was a house church, a house church, a house church, and they're like, how do we control this? And so within that control is where these things got set up. So it's really interesting if you've got that bug where you're an avid reader or if you just, like, really want to dive more into, like, how did we get there? That's a great book to read. to kind of see that. So, all right, let me check my time. Uh, all right. I'm going to take your questions now. <laughs> and if I can't answer them, then I'll write them down and maybe next week I'll answer them. I'll come back in and answer them or Yancey may be able to answer them or Eric might be able to ha- help me answer them. But we I want to know your questions so I kind of know how this is sitting with you guys. Like, how is this, Is did this, like, make your mind go, wow, I didn't think about that? Or were you like, yeah, I kind of knew that. You know, like, so give me some feedback. Who's going to be brave and ask the first question?
2: All right. said that um, prophecy is not a perception, but can it be an impression? So
1: when I, the difference between Perception and inspiration is a prophecy is you're getting the heart of God for someone. And so maybe that might be triggered by something you see, something that's going on, but it always has to be filtered back through the heart of God. Um, what can happen with that gift, um, because there's always a counterfeit, you know, Satan's not creative. He just took what was created and twisted it. So what he's done on the other side is made it more of a um, judgmental type of fortune telling kind of looking and perceiving and pulling from the person. Does that make sense? Rather than going to God and saying, I'm seeing this on this person or I'm seeing that. Lord, is that something you want to speak to them about? Is that something you want? And then it will inevitably come out more encouraging, exhorting. It'll come out in a different way than judgmental and picking up and per- perceiving things that might just be something in your heart that you don't like. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Okay. And we'll do, um, we'll see where all this goes, but I, but um, it is on the plan at some point to have a prophecy class. And the difference between the gift of prophecy and the the prophet, the, the prophet, In Romans and then the office of a prophet those are three different things okay everybody can flow in the gift of prophecy from the Holy Spirit if you've got Holy Spirit you can flow and should flow in prophecy and we'll talk about that and the parameters and how to activate that any other questions I know I'm like looking at you come on Clay How do you get past people thinking you're crazy? Relationship. Right, you, you've gotta be bold, but I'm, I, there is a relational aspect that we are missing that the Hebrews had. They were very relational people. They were in each other's houses and in and out of each other's houses. They knew each other's children. They were huge relational people. And so they already knew how to do relationship very well and then when persecution spread them, they still did that. They just went to their different communities and did relationship. When you're in relationship with somebody, you you know, um, you can know the heart behind where someone's coming from. So when someone comes with you with a tone, you know, like a husband and wife, or like, if he comes with me with a tone, I'm like, I know they're my, he's tired. He's been working all day, and I'm okay with that. You know, like I don't take it personal. But some of these things and we don't do in relationship, and then the Lord can, or that, not the Lord, the Lord of the airways can try to get in there and bring some offense, right? Because we don't know each other's heart for each other. We haven't gotten a relationship. So, but it depends on what you're doing. So if you're talking about evangelism, though, someone doesn't believe in the gifts, you've got to use that gentleness, you know, and kindness, but not give in to fear of man, okay? Because who else is going to show them how to do it? Right. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know, right? Sometimes, I mean, I'll think I'm not hungry, and then I go to sit down at the Mexican restaurant, and I start eating chips, and then, oh, my goodness, I've eaten a whole bowl of chips and three bowls of salsa. So I was obviously hungry. I just didn't know I was hungry until somebody put it down in front of me and I started eating from it. So sometimes it's just trusting that even though you may look weird to them, you're stirring up a hunger in them they don't even know they have. Mm-hmm, yeah. But it's also being gentle with the criticism and, and being gentle with them if, if they've – you know, it's it's not a levels thing, but if they haven't come into that fullness of understanding, we have to be gentle and we have to pray for them and we have to pray that Holy Spirit will reveal himself. But part of it, he uses people to reveal himself. So part of that revealing may be you saying, hey, let's go out on an evangelistic mission. And then they see you minister via a word of knowledge or the person gets healed and they're like, what was that? And then it breaks open something, a conversation and a relational conversation to so that they know, oh, well, well, I've known Clay for years and I know he's not weird, but that's weird, but I don't know. And then they have to reconcile, and then you're like, Okay, Holy Spirit, you do it, you do it, you do it, because he's the teacher, right? And he and you're giving him an opportunity to speak into that. And with with evangelism, you should be weird. You should be really weird. And they want weird because what we've had, what you can look at the culture. Um, a lot of the culture is moving to New Age. Why? They know there's a spiritual element that's missing, and they're not finding it in the church, but they're finding it with these with this thing over here. But they're like, I know that's wrong. I know that's borderline, but there's something missing. But then they're like, Well, you know. And so we're losing a lot of um, we're losing a lot of our generation. To this borderline, this new age, it's new age, and if they keep going, it's a cult, right? But they're like, well, it's not a cult, so I'll sit over here and just, but it's like, but it's, but I believe it's because we're not doing what we're needing to do and move in the spiritual gifts. Because if you see the Holy Spirit, you won't want that spirit. Very basic question, but are you coming from the perspective that everyone in the church is gifted with one of these five areas, or are we talking about identifying the core leadership of the church, the core? Um right, Eric represented like every believer will go through that process, and the um, the fivefold office or functions are called by Jesus, and it says some are apostles, some are prophets. So you will find yourself in that because Jesus was an apostle. Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was a teacher. Jesus was a pastor. Jesus. So the more we look like Jesus, these functions, we're going to be like, wow, I really relate to that function. I really relate. And you may be stronger like, man, I just, man, I have a pastor's heart. You know? We'll function in that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're in the office. And we'll go further into that next week. The office is someone that has been already functioning in that role and is recognized by their peers and put into a position to train the saints. Does that make sense? Did that answer your question? Okay. We have one here.
2: You know, I, I'm a firm believer that the Lord is really raising up a new generation. And some people can view that as young people, or it could be viewed as all of us that are sort of having enlightening here. I've always, um, (coughs) I don't know, somewhat rebelled against these gifting classes because I was always afraid that, um, you know, I just didn't want man to do it. I wanted to be, I've always been a spirit-led woman. But what's crazy is that what you resist still persists. And it keeps coming around. And so when you see all of these functions that you've talked about tonight, it is a building of God's army, and it is amazing. It is amazing that if every one of these people of us woke up to what we were supposed to do, the Lord's army, for those that have the ear to hear, praise you, Lord.
1: Absolutely, and that's why I, I try to be focused on it's not the title, it's the function because we're needing to raise up the saints to do the work of the ministry. And if we're all sitting in here in the church, who's doing the work of the ministry? Just that poor little evangelist? No? Like we should be, if you're, if you're drawn, you may see yourself as, wow, I really do like order, I like order. Maybe you are called to the business sector. Maybe you go over and you create an order over in business and the business sector that causes kingdom to come to that mountain. Maybe um, you say, wow, like I really relate to that teacher, but you're like, you know what? I'm going to go affect education. I'm going to go change that education mountain. So these people are functioning. They are changing um, what is happening within this model, within the church, the ecclesia so the ecclesia can go be the ecclesia. You're, yeah. not,
0: you're not saying. I mean, I know you're not. We've been discussed right. this, but you're not saying that they're called the apostle calls these people. They're called by the Lord, the Lord. Right. God calls them, but they're confirmed by these five. Minutes,
1: Absolutely. These five Oftentimes, I, I, I feel you normally what Jesus calls these gifts. Somehow, some way, you've had some sort of encounter with Jesus that is undeniable. He's spoken to you. He is in your private time. He has. Uh, you've had a vision, a dream. It has been overwhelming to you that you know it's been life changing to be in this office because he called. He's. He knows who will go through, maybe not just called, you actually go through a crushing before you're sent. So he knows who's going to, <laughs> that when you're called, you're going to have to go through quite a process before you are You get to be put trusted over his people. And so you don't just get to put yourself in an office. It will always be um, confirmed by those around you. Um, Those that are doing life, and those are in relationship, and those are in the body with you. Okay. Well, you kind of answered it earlier a little bit, but um, I didn't grow up with all of the fivefold ministries, and so when you go through this list, I'm like, well, I relate on some level to all of them, but I want to be useful in the church, so I'm kind of here wondering, well, what's my primary? gifting and how do I develop that so that way I can be useful for the church so there's lots of different gifting so so these are are the offices and what we're talking about are these functions that are set in place um, to help the um, body be healthy but if you'll see in Romans 12 there are also motivational gifts You've got that gift of administration and hospitality and, and giving and mercy. So there are so many different gifts, and those are the gifts that the Father gives that are, like, wired into you. So when you start working in where your natural gift set is, it starts opening that up, and he shows you more and more. And as you press into him, like, okay, Lord, I'm, you do the thing that's in front of you. You be faithful with what's in front of you. And then he lifts you up and he starts showing you more and he starts showing the people around you. And you're like, wait, all of a sudden I'm pastoring these people. What's happening? You know, it's like it opens up It flowers o- open. But um, I would encourage if if you're seeking for what that identity is, you, you go to the Lord. But you can also um, at, you can go into those motivational gifts and say, Lord, what is my motivational gift? Like, where is that highly, wi- where am I wired there in Romans 12? And that will give you a really good start because um, those it's probably not a full um, list, but that is a good list. And you can see yourself maybe in a couple of those. But Those are a great place to start. Um, a difference between the gift that you're calling... So, like Romans twelve, you are as a gift, you are hardwired with that gift. God in your in the womb, you were created to function that way. It's a gift. You could probably call that a talent because you just have a natural ability. Um, a calling, um, in my mind, and my definition, and you may speak to this differently, but in my mind, the calling is when the uh, when the Lord, it's something that you have been purposed to do before the beginning of time and you may not have known it it was written in your book because we have books psalms 139 says all the days of your life are written for you and so we have a book in heaven and so when we start asking the lord and 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 communing and and or not communing but like being more intimate with the lord all of a sudden we start fulfilling the things that are in our books and so there, there is a calling. There is something written in your book. And so all of a sudden when you get that understanding or that witness from the Lord, oh, my goodness, I am called to this. This has been my passion all along. This is what I, this is what I was supposed to be all along. That is what was written for you before time for you to do. And so that is your calling. But just because you all of a sudden figure out you're a physicist – I'm supposed to be a physicist does not mean that you're all of a sudden a physicist, right? You're like, "Oh, I must be a physicist now." And the, but it's like, "No, now you got to go to school, now you got to go through all the process and then you're able to be recognized as a physicist whenever you've gone through that process." And so I feel like that's that difference between being called and sent. And so and that's like try to like Within this, that, that you're being called, but then once you're called, then you start needing to purpose your mind to start to study to be approved, just like Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved. And then once you've studied, then the Lord will raise you up and those around you will start recognizing. And then that's when that apostle, he, he can see that gifting and calling and he'll he's part of that process of knowing when you're ready, he's got that relationship with you and he's like, yeah, I see it. Go. We empower you to go. We bless you as a church. Go. We're behind you. Questions? How long do you normally go? An hour? <laughs> okay. Let's see. Um, all right. <clears throat> so something... Let's see. So... Technically, any one of these offices, along with a strongly administrative, gifted person, can birth what we see today as a church. But without the whole fivefold happens that there's something. So um, so this, it hardly happens that there's just one person, right? because Holy Spirit, he is so good for the sake of his sheep, He will always grace another p- person to function within a body. And more than one office okay so but I kind of want to give us an examples for our brains like so if you've got a church that started by evangelist alone um, even if you call him a pastor but he's really an evangelist it will be centered on getting people saved there will be like salvation 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 but it will be weak in discipleship and ultimately people will fall back into sin or they will move to a church where they can get fed So all of a sudden, it's like, why do we have these people constantly coming through? Well, they're not getting discipled. They're just getting saved, and then they know innately because their spirit is awake now. They're like, I need more, I need more. So they go find where they can be disciplined. A church that's run by just a pastor alone, not a pastor teacher, just a pastor, it will be the most loving place. All the needs will be cared for. You will see and have lots of community events to love on people, but there will not be very many salvations. And they will be prone to doctrinal error because everyone is self-focused on meeting the needs and not discipleship. Um, And people a lot of times can get hurt in these types of churches or home groups that, that aren't aligned because there isn't an order for discipline because nobody wants to hurt anybody else's feelings. Everyone just wants to love the devil out of them. You know, and it's like, but there's no one there bringing the doctrine to say, this is what you can do and this is what you can't, and loving them by speaking that that truth. So a church that is run by a teacher alone will be centered on Scripture alone a lot of times. This is what you see. Um, the people will have a lot of knowledge. But like Eric said, they got the big head and the small heart sometimes <laughs> because um, they won't be doing much with it other than giving everybody a lot of knowledge, you know, and um, there'll be few salvations. They won't be very loving, and someone in that, that teacher will sometimes, can, they can be prone to that religious spirit because they know everything that everybody should be doing, right? <laughs> um, if a church is run by a prophet alone, it will flow in the gifts of the Spirit, It'll be supernaturally motivated. It'll be super exciting and because people will be engaging with the Holy Spirit. You may see flags, and you may see people blowing the shofar at random times. It's just like, woo! it's amazing. But there's little salvations. There's little community. There's little comforting. And they can be prone to doctrinal error, too, because it can get a little out of order. Well, the Lord says this. Well, the Lord says that. Now, the Lord says this. And so it can get, it's exciting, but if there's no one to kind of bring that order or bring that teaching in there, um, a church run by an apostle alone, it can function well, as an apostle can tend to flow in and out of the four as needed. And honestly, and we'll go into this more next week, a lot of these offices can function and flow in different as needed, as Holy Spirit's needed, but they always normally have one primary function that they are functioning out of um, like I'm teaching right now like but it's it's um, so anyways but an apostle they can flow in and out but it will be constantly building and supporting kingdom initiatives so it will be highly effective in setting the vision this is the vision um, but the, um, the uh, what did I write? but the people can depend more on the apostle than Jesus a lot of times and because of this, because he's so fathering and he's so nurturing and he's setting this vision and he's got, he's like, yes, I see the golden you, I see the golden you, I see the golden you, let's do this, let's all go. But then the people get worn out because they're constantly building and building. Now we're building this and now we're building that and now we're doing this and now we're doing that, which is exciting, but it's like, at sometimes you need to be nurtured. Sometimes you need to be disciplined. Sometimes you need some of the, or these other things that the five field brings. So. Um, you could probably look at some of the churches you've attended and probably identify them here. <laughs> um, although the majority majority of churches we see today have the pastor and the teacher element working really great, and so they are very functional and learn, loving and functional in teaching people, they're just lacking in some key areas. And so those key areas, a lot of times, that's where you'll see para ministries pop up to fill the gaps. So they're like, oh, okay, well. We're really missing evangelism. Let's do this paraministry. There's a paraministry now that's going to support this church, and they're going to do evangelism, and we're going to, you know, support this paraministry because they're going to do our evangelism for us. We've we've hired that out. You know, so it's kind of, but that's how we filled the gaps because we haven't, you know, we haven't been doing that that model. So does that bring up some other questions, or does that kind of help you see why we, We all need to be functioning. What's cool about Sand Springs, since I've been here, is we're doing a lot of apostolic church work that we don't hear, probably didn't even realize we were doing. So there's a lot of cool order here that the Holy Spirit has been doing because people like you, this core group, have been saying, yes, Holy Spirit, we want everything that you have for us. And he's been like, okay, I can use that. I can use that. I'm going to start setting order. And then now, when you come in and you're looking, you're like, wow. And then I don't know if I don't know how long everybody's been here, but if you'll notice, there's been a shift, right? Like you started seeing miracles. You started seeing, you know, Holy Spirit moving. You started seeing more salvations. You started seeing, um, you know, the the resurrection. You know that we had. Like those things are all coming at the pleasure of Holy Spirit. Because you guys are saying, we do want order. We do want what you have. We see that in Acts. Help us get there. And I'm going to tell you what's kind of interesting is the whole world has been reset. Okay? So we're all on the same playing field. When you look at all the different churches and things, this is being talked about now because this is what's on the Lord's heart to bring us back. We all got reset. I'm not saying it was the Lord, but we did. We all got reset. And we're all like sitting here going, what's the game plan? Right, and the Lord's like, it's what it's always been. I want my church to function this way. And um, one of the things when I was asking the Lord in 2020, I'm like, okay, everybody's saying there's this new thing coming, new thing, new thing, new thing, new thing. Lord, what is this new thing you're doing? And He was like, it's the it's an ancient thing. It was the original intent. That's where I'm taking you back. It's going to look new to this generation on the earth right now it's not just the young generation it's the all the generation that's alive right now is all get to be involved and so this generation is the generation he has chosen to bring us back to that foundational so that his bride will look like a bride pure and cleansed and holy for when he comes back he's not coming back for a broken down bride he's just not and the light shines more brilliant in the darkness. So we're going to see dark, but the bride, the ecclesia, should be even more beautiful and more powerful in the midst of everything that's happening. And that's where he's getting all of us. So kudos to to you allowing Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. And there's more to come, but it's all exciting and hopeful. And um, I hope that you'll help us all work together to get there.
0: good that was really good and i think it's i'm going to close her in just a second i think it's so important to understand that our national government doesn't work well out of order and neither does the church government the church government doesn't work well out of order but this is really good anyway all right i'm going to close this and then everybody can go home father i come to you in the name of jesus lord we just thank you we love you lord we praise you and again we thank you for tara lord for just sending her here to us Lord, with the information that you've just downloaded in her, Lord, I just pray that uh, we would receive what you have for us again, Lord, as I prayed when we opened this, Lord, that you would just uh, help us to grow in your perfect plan, purpose, and will, just like you planned your church to grow. Lord, I see it. I see something new. Like Tara said, I see something new happening, and it isn't new. It's new to me. And Father, we thank you for it. We love you for it. We we just praise you for it. And we just ask you, Lord, just to keep our eyes and our hearts open to your word. Lord, we come again, we come against any spirit of division, any denominational spirit, any religious spirits. Lord, I pray that in each one here tonight, Lord, that you would cast that out. Uh, that you we come against it. We want the truth of your word, Lord, and we just ask you just not only to download into Tara, Lord, but download into all of us, Lord, your word. Just give us that unction, Lord, just to know what you want for us. And, Father, I pray that as this week goes on until next Sunday when we come back, Lord, that you would just uh, enlighten us to the truth of this fivefold ministry and to the truth of the apostolic church, Lord because we want to be the church that you want us to be. We want to be the church that was in the first century, Uh, Lord. That's what you created, and you haven't changed it. And, Father, we just thank you for it, Lord, and just put that unction in our heart, Lord, just to want that and to want what you want, Father. We love you, praise you, and give you the glory for it. In the name of Jesus, amen.